Hey, what's up, people? This portion of the broadcast is brought to you by Beach Volleyball National Events, BVNE. It's the biggest get notice showcase in the United States of America. Tell your mother, tell your father, send a telegram. Beach Volleyball National Events. Have as many as 25 recruiters there. College beach recruiters there six or eight times a year. BVNE, a family that plays together, stays together. It's all too brought to you by NY Varsity Sports. That's me. That's me. The NYV. NY Varsity Sports. I videotape everything. I break down everything. Send your tapes to me. I give you four things that are good. I give you four things that need to get better for a price. NY Varsity Sports. Watching me. Watching you. Got a good one today. This is episode 62. Got Ryan Millar and the episode starts right now. Step into a world, but there's no one there. What's up, people? This is episode 62. I'm Jason DeBeas, and today I have Olympic gold medalist, three-time Olympian. Three? That's right. <laughs> BYU NCAA champion and absolute stud and businessman, the shark that never moves backwards, Ryan Millar. Welcome to the show, bro. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. This will be fun. Looking yeah, forward man. to it. So listen, before we got on the podcast, we uh, were talking about elite coaches and coaches that I had like my little top five list and I have people on a smaller scale. But we finished and on the grand finale, the drum roll, pretty much one or two on our list, probably one, Hugh McCutcheon. Tell me, uh, we, we, you were talking about what you liked about Hugh McCutcheon and how his mind works. Let's let's just start there. Yeah. I, you know, people that don't know Hugh as, as much as I do, look, Hugh, Hugh's been my coach since my freshman year in college. And I was, when I first started at BYU, I was only 17. I was a year ahead or behind everybody from an age standpoint. And so I've had an opportunity to be with Hugh and be, you know, to learn from Hugh for a long, long time. And uh, he's he's incredibly smart. He's a, he's a very very bright human being, and I think he brings that wealth of knowledge onto the volleyball court because he's got a very smooth tone. He, he's got a very even keel in regards to the systems that he wants to implement. And to be honest with you, the best thing about him is just gets the best out of his players. I mean, you saw it on the national team. You're seeing it now at Minnesota. Um, you know, before before Hugh went to Minnesota, I mean, they were a good program, but they weren't like they are no. now. I mean, now they're like consistent Final Fours, Finals. I mean, they're on the brink of winning national championships, and that's another just an ongoing data point around how good of a coach he is. Yeah, he – something I liked about him, and I've been coaching um, indoor for – I guess 19 years, 20 years, altogether 24. I'm a beach guy now. Been playing for about 30, from as low as the double B guys to as high as Bameso, who won nationals twice. Um, and the thing that cha totally changed my coaching style was watching him in the 2008 team say, hey, let's, let's don't try to, just small things, don't try to play, just play. Um, let's stay high, but, but if you're high, don't be too high. So now all of a sudden, uh, I went from this sideline coach, free, free, go, go, run, 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 to, to just. 
And to me, I'm like, if anything needs to be talked about emergently, I'll get up. But and they ain't nothing that can wait. To, you know, they can't wait till the time out and this and that. Yeah. And then I started talking about emotional highs and lows. And my and I'm and I'm an actor. My BFA, Marymount Manhattan again. So you know about climatic series and this and that and um and how an ounce of behavior can be worth a pound of words. I'm not talking about the Nicolata Russian bear. I'm talking about we're talking about Hugh. But I was very amazed that he would take something that would take me 32 words to say and say it in five. Don't yeah. try to play, just play. How many words, Ryan, do between the both of us can we, you know, if, if we allow ourselves to say that when all we have to do is boom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're, I think you're right. It's He really was. He's very good with his words. You know, he was all about execution. It was instill the system, mm-hmm. be confident in the system. And he was, we were. And then when it's time to go make it happen, then it's execution time. Then you go make it happen. You go execute. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a coach, and I was a coach as well, and I enjoy coaching a lot, my philosophy as a coach is where I do all my damage as a coach, and damage, I mean good damage, hopefully. (laughs) If you're a good coach, you're doing good damage. Where you do all your work is in practice and in preparation. But, But when it comes game time, there's only so much that you can do to impact the game. Right. It's more about have you prepared the players in a way that allows them to go execute? Because that's 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 showtime right there. It right. Is. I mean, yep. I can call a timeout. I can say something strategically in a timeout or whatever it looks like. But in the end, it's up to the players to go make it happen when it's time to make it happen. And he was so good at preparing us to go execute when the time needed to be had. And and you saw what happened in 08 and you saw what he continued to do with the women and their success. And, and then what he's doing now in Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota, man, that's a savage program right now. Like you, they, you're right. They went from what middle of the pack to lower of the pack, big 10 to number one coming out, number one or number two. And, and what I affectionately refer to as the strongest conference in NCAA volleyball. And I mean, you got a team in the big dance and you have six, you, they, they furnish an average of six teams going to the big dance and there's only like 12. That's, that's says a lot um, about yeah. um, not just, like you said, not just the talent or, or whatever's in the drinking water that makes some girl who's like 16 years old, like six, five and like her legs look like my waistline, you know, or my waistline when I was younger. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <Come on. laughs> so let's, um, I like to work from present to past, but allow me to stare us off the cliff and come back on. You played at BYU with, um, uh, a good friend of mine who actually, I mean, I owe this guy kind of half of my beach volleyball life out here, Casey Jennings. Um, yeah. How fun How fun was that, just playing with personalities like that? And how um, important was fellowship? Because fellowship in men's volleyball on a general level, I mean, I, I mean, everyone's like, duh, obvious is obvious. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about specifically BYU. How important was fellowship um, in, uh, to, to that team in regards to emotional investment and... Uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, it's a good question and, and not one that I've thought about often, but I actually, so I host, I host a volleyball podcast myself. It's called the CrossNet Volleyball Podcast. And I just recently had Casey on the show yep. and um, I, I wanted to kind of dive into his psyche around that year when we were together at BYU, when we won a national championship, you know, for him, it was a little bit tricky because he was coming as a, as a transfer from from the junior college ranks, but you know he was obviously successful in junior college ranks. We were fortunate enough 
to, to have Carl at our coach kind of entice him to go to school there. Cause you know, going, he's a Southern California guy. He's playing in Southern California schools to then have to pack up and go to Utah to go play volleyball. was kind of a big deal. Um, you know, I, I think that team in 99, when we won our first national title was very, very mature. We had a lot of older guys that have been through the program for a number of years. We didn't have a lot of um, young guys so much that were really huge contributors. And so I think it was really easy for us to recognize what Casey was bringing to the table mm-hmm. when he came in. And it was, to me, at least in my perspective, it was really easy to kind of embrace him into the fold, even though he wasn't a part of like the building process of our freshman, sophomore, junior years, we knew that he was going to able, enable us to win and help us do that. He was, he was the guy you want to have in practice. I yeah. mean, he was, he'd throw his heart out on the floor every time he'd outwork everybody. He'd grind and grind and grind. And as the kind of the seniors of the team and we, us knowing that this was going to be our last run, we needed that. We yeah. needed somebody to kind of, to me, that was the only way he was going to come in and really be just a spark, right? As a team, yeah. we needed it. Yep. And and look, he didn't he he didn't play that much on that team, but the stuff that he was doing behind the scenes was so critical to the success of that team. And uh, I think you talk to every guy on that team, and they'd say the same thing about him. The guy. I, the thing I like about him is the same thing he said about me when he first saw a video. I moved out here and, you know, kind of, you know, California, I'm from New York. No one knows you. You kind of, you kind of got to start over again. You got to pay dues. So I, I bought a camera and I went to every game, every event, and I just started talking behind it, analytical. Just if you disagree with me, message me. If, if it blows your mind, you learn something even better. And the way I talked and the way like certain people were around me, like certain people um, like Rosie's Raiders, they kind of hassle right. little people. But and but the way I was like, you know, you know, fuck out of here. You know, I don't mean to curse, but I was like, man, fuck out of here. I don't, you know, I don't, I owe you nothing. And I'm like, oh, go Yankees. And I'm like, why don't you go yank these? You know, so, so you know, now it's hashtag. Everyone's hashtagging, yank these, yank these. And Casey point, looked at the video and said, I like this guy. He's He's got balls. I want him. I want. I want him to work with us at P1440. And I can say the same thing about him. I see Casey yeah. in an AVP game. I see Casey playing indoor. I see Casey just playing Norseka or just like a friendship tournament, <laughs> a friendship tournament. And watch the way that guy tries to take your lunch money in a cafeteria where everybody's getting the same food. I said. That guy's got balls. I'd yeah. lo- I'd love to work with him. So, um, was Patterson part of that team as well? Was the other Casey there? Casey Casey came in a little bit later. Okay, um, so he came in a little bit later, yeah. right after that '99 run. But oh, you he were came a senior. In again. I was a senior. That right. was my last year. Okay, yeah. Then Casey came in for the next kind of runs because you know BYU had a nice run there for five six years. They won. We won three national titles in five years, and so. Um, he was a part of that that next group coming up. Yeah, man, I'm feeling that. I um, good. I meant to go forwards or backwards, but I couldn't. I couldn't resist. I knew it was a good team, and I knew um, your block the your blocking schemes kind of changed the way um, NCAA not only wanted to block, but not only that, it's a copycat league. All right, they're swing blocking. Now we have to go from lazy shoot to the go. 
you know, and now right. maybe a back row quick, you know, maybe maybe running a shotgun is not going to work against that team since all three of them are just waiting it. You, you want to run a 31 front two? Fine. I don't have to move. <laughs> Triple block, boom, boom, boom. So, so it was one of those things where, especially when you got teams out of, out of system. Uh, right. it, it was like the outside hitters like, look, if you're in system, it's coming to you. You might be one on one. If you're out of system, it's going to be three on one. So you're in charge of your own fate. Make sure you pass this ball somewhere where you can play volleyballs like mammals instead of just, you know, getting triple blocked by three gargantuan. So I really yeah. I thought BYU really, really reset the standard and it made coaches do their freaking job. I mean. I'm one of those guys. I'm, I'm not an old fart wound tight about it, but I'm. I, I have a big problem with people who I don't think are doing their job. You know, I have a big yeah. problem with some people who's maybe they knew someone and they got the job, or maybe their celebrity allows them to do this. But once you get the job, I'm a Bill Parcells guy. You are what your record says you are, yeah. right? Like. For example, you, you know, you could probably get a job anywhere. You got a good name. You got an Olympic gold medalist. And then when you're there, for me, if I'm an AD. Bottom line, is he doing a job or is he not? <laughs> right? That's it. You know, in New York, I left New York because there were so many positions where it was almost like tenure. Like like Columbia did only had two winning records in like 10 years. You know, Wagner, uh, Fordham, all these Division One programs. And I'm like, okay, I took, I took this as far as I could go. <laughs> yeah. Right? I did the CUNY teams. Baruch, you know, won with them, got them to the Final Four. Um, Hunter High School, we won the PSALs. Madison Square Garden gave me coach of the year for that. That was like 2014. So <laughs> so that's why I'm out here on the West with you guys. Go West, son. So let's forget about me. Let's skip to the um, something on a, on a, on a higher uh, plane, if you will. Let's talk about – I don't want to talk about the gold medal team. I want to talk about the, the, the four years before that. And yeah. it took me a while to pull up some footage, but I want to walk you through the scenario. And I have a question that I, I'm confident no one has asked you before. Okay. Um, um, let's just go down to this one game. Okay. Playing Greece in Athens. Greece leads two sets to one. Yep. I mean, the celebration, the bubbly, for the, the semifinal final bubblies in the back, bro. Um, by, by the way, yeah, there was about there's about almost twenty thousand Greek fans in the in the stadium as well because yeah. we were in Greece. The chants were, Alzina I mean, who had, was there. Yeah, who the, was, yeah, the who chants, was actually watching the, the game was yeah, like, the fire going on. Yeah, the flags. Yeah, the drums. <laughs> everything was fire. going on. I mean, it was it was rocking and rolling. I can picture you on the court. Wait, is, was that a was that a, was that a fire? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they do that here. <laughs> oh yeah. So down two sets to one. Yeah. You trail 18 to 10 in the fourth set, because this is where I picked up the action. Lloyd Ball gets benched. Donald yep. Sujo comes in. Yeah. And maybe, maybe the coach just wants him to get some playing time, right? And we're gonna friggin' lose anyway. Let's get Sujo. Let's take a look at the future. Sujo, big pair of balls between his legs, balls out. Oh, yeah. Kevin Barnett, um, one of my Played favorite great. indoor commentators. The man's God to me on indoor, but not. And my least favorite uh, beach commentator, but that's all. <laughs> but, um, no, but God, a God on the indoor. Um, and when it was time for him to cowboy up, he did. You, he um, great. you had some really, really good risk control um, off the push one where the guy had, a, he, he, had, he had to stay with the setter and your right shoulder where you were tomahawking stuff or right. you were le he was leaving the libero hang out to, hanging out to dry on the deep hard um, position fives. So yep. all of a sudden you got these touch blocks because you know it ain't about stuff blocks. It's about touches. 
Yep. You come back, you win that fourth set. So yeah, we now were, we were actually we were even. It was even worse than that. It was twenty we to were twelve, down right? 20, twenty to twelve. Yeah. Okay. Twenty, 20 to, 12. to twelve. You yeah. don't come back from twenty to twelve. No. I'm sorry. No, I just look. That's when I put my house up on that bet, you know, and then you and know, I lose my house. You know, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really funny? Funny story about that. Please, yeah, yeah. So we're we're down twenty to twelve. Um. So you got Doug Beal is our head coach. Right. And you got Hugh as our assistant. And then you got Carl McGowan is also on the bench. We go down 20 to 12. They side out 2012. Mm-hmm. Carl, Carl starts taking off his headphones and his, and his wire. Mm-hmm. And he goes to Hugh and he says to Hugh and he goes, well, it was a good run. Hell of a run, boy. And then Hugh, Hugh's, Hugh goes, to, he says to him, come on, Carl. Like, you know, it's not over yet. And, he, and then Carl's, you know, he's got his headphones off and everything. And then we side out 2013. And then I actually, I go back to serve. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't, at that point, I'm kind of a tactical server, but I got a really good jump floater and I was yeah. getting them in trouble right off the bat. Yeah. Tom, Tom Hoff came in, he had a couple of good stuffs and it was weird because we scored one and we're like, okay, you know what I mean? Whatever. Score two, then three, then four. And it's like, wait a second now. And then all of a sudden it's really close. And, and Hugh, Hugh says that he sees Carl like frantically like trying to find his equipment to like put it back on and like figure out how to turn his microphone back on and stuff and how to fix the iPad and everything because now it's a game. Yeah. And, uh, and we eventually pull it out. You pull out set four. So now set four. Yeah. I'll, uh, for the people listening at home, I'll bring your attention to set five. It comes down to, I believe like 1313 and Sujo had this great like right hand, like yeah. jumbo, jumbo shrimp. Beach style jumbo shrimp over the libero on transition. First of all, it was a it was a terrific dig um, on position five. That guy hit D zone and that and that that yeah. that D zone thing was was dropped in front of the D a lot. Um, and um, the thing I liked about sorry, I'm losing. I actually had a highlight, so I just want to make sure. That, no, you're right. That that play by Donald yeah, was was, that was pretty great. ballsy and and very well done. If you you know at, yeah. at, a, at a timely time, right? Yeah. You know, for Donald at that point, it was like. For him, there was no pressure, right? He right. could just go in and, and you, you could tell fly. as soon as he got in the mat, it was just, I'm just going to flow. And then Lloyd Ball and, comes in and he gets his ace. He comes in as a yeah. super sub and he gets yeah. an ace. Kevin Barnett goes back there, takes something off of his serve because maybe he just sees something, you know, just work short. Uh, position yeah. one between one and six, maybe yeah. maybe the setter's feeling some distress. Maybe he because you're serving there, he loses some of his court vision. Maybe that go ball drops in a little bit. So I think very smart serving by Kevin. Like if we just scored a whole bunch of points in a row, let's just I ain't trying to yeah. I ain't trying to be no hero here. So totally. this is the play that that um. I want to walk us through, and I want you, and I'm going to give because I've, I've already talked a lot here. I want to give. By the you, way, I think if I remember right, I think we were down 13-11 in the fifth. Yeah, you were. Yeah, and you were well, down 10-8. Eight. Eight. It was 10-8, and there was 13-11, and they they, yeah. they just kept they just oh, kept man. nursing at three point two point three point two point. So this is the play, and I'm going to just put it up for people watching and for the people with the audio. Be patient. Um, <laughs> this is 15 up. Oh, now, man. here's what a lot of people don't know because you don't hear the sound. The someone in the crowd blew the whistle. Oh, and there, to my knowledge, there might have been more people like this, but to my knowledge, there were. Sorry, and this is match point. Let's just do match point. Might as well. This is the middle. It hits it out. They're begging for a touch. Yep. They don't get one, and that's and that's the match. 
Now, to my knowledge, there were two people that didn't pay attention to the whistle. <laughs> the setter and this man right here, <laughs> Ryan Millar. So my question is that no, I'm, no one's asked you. I know no one's asked you this, at least certainly not from the media. Did you hear the whistle and follow through anyway? Or did you just not hear anything and play volleyball? You know, two things. One, again, the, the place was like crazy. You can't hear nothing. No. When you're on the court, you don't hear anything. All, all the sounds that are off the court just sound like like they're just jumbled. You know what I mean? Like you don't hear one individual person. You don't hear one individual horn. It's just it's just noise. Yeah. And so no, I didn't I didn't hear in any of that myself. So look, <laughs> and if you go back and watch that play, it was a, it was a pretty another really ballsy play by Donald because it's not a great pass. Um, you know, it's a little bit off the net and, um, and we're, we're kind of, we're kind of bunched a little bit together. And so for him to kind of throw that in there into the quick was, it it just, it just demonstrated a lot of trust on his part to me. And then of course, you know, I made a really nice shot and we were able to to take it home from there. Dude, That was terrific. I get, we got to see that again, because you're right. You, you, you created your string with him, you know, but you create, you gave him some space. If you look, he didn't even jump set. No. He's still on the ground setting that quick, which is really hard to do. Yeah, he's just trying to make that work, man. That was yeah, that was ridiculous. That was awesome. We were obviously pretty fired up because yeah, that match was crazy, man. I, people don't know like how crazy that match was. I, I, I think Hugh even said it's probably one of the most underappreciated matches in USA Volleyball history was was how incredible that that comeback was under those circumstances there in Greece, 20,000 fans. Yeah, it was just nuts. Well, there was a similar women's match, Brazil against Russia. It was twenty four nineteen. Oh wow! Fourth set, and they and the Russians came back and won. And there was an outside hitter who they said still hadn't recovered from that. She tried to play like for the bronze uh, uh, or whatever, and they she's like <laughs> she just wasn't. It wasn't there. You know, there's some matches where you can perform a great Olympics, and this one match, you just look and say. That's the curse, right? I'll yeah, go before totally. you. Karen Kemner against and, Cuba had five sets. She had zero kills, <laughs> you right. know? And that's the curse, right? <laughs> you, you talk about the curse. It's funny that you say that because I remember after the match of that match, mm-hmm. um, we go to the press junket, you know what I mean? And we're obviously super, we're, we're stoked. But I want to say it was their coach that said to the Greek press, because they were all over him, like, what did you, what happened? And what, you know, why did you yeah. lose and all this stuff? And then, Meltdown to I, yeah. he, the, the coach said something like this. He said, I can't underemphasize how devastating this, this match, losing this match was. In fact, I will say this, it will probably be the demise of Greek national volleyball. That's what he said to the press. And if you look at that point in the world, Greek, Greece was actually pretty good. Like they, they were actually a really solid team. Yeah. And once they lost that match, they, they were never good again in the world. It's true. So and, it's, and, and their like professional just, leagues, you don't really hear a lot about them either. Like Not as much anymore. From like 98 yeah, to 2004, they had some good leagues, man. Yeah. I have, I have oh, yeah. friends. Clay, Clay played there. Mm-hmm. Loy played there. Reed yep. played there. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of really good players. And then after that match... Their uh, national team just collapsed. So it's was, like we cut out the legs of their national team, which was, you know, sucks for them, but it was awesome for us. Yeah, but the, yeah, well, 
good. Good for us. And sorry, Greece. <laughs> Listen, yeah. sorry, we wouldn't but be having sorry. this conversation on this podcast if Greece won. Yeah, so, seriously. You know, and and um, yeah. And the thing, the other thing I liked about that team is because volleyball, men's volleyball, was becoming a star-driven. The pro, the pro leagues were becoming a star-driven league where people yeah. come to watch particular players, right? Like my entire life, I've, I've never been a fan of particular players, just the, just the sport and the purity of it. But there are a handful of people I'm like, I want to be like him. I grew up wanting to be like Steve Timmons, whatever, and this and that. So, you know, um, right now in the beat scene, there's a young guy, Eric Baranek. That I, I like watching him. He's a young dude, made the semis yeah. with Bill Kalinske. And there's certain people you follow because as an actor, you know, like I'm looking for people with a story to tell and I want to follow that story. And maybe I could t- I'll take a whole bunch, as many people as I as I can with me, and follow that story, which is the same way I followed you guys. You guys yeah. from every losing every match in Sydney, in Sydney, to, yeah. to flirting with with gold, gold, silver, or bronze. You know, lost to the best team in the world in the semis. Uh, yep. Dante on that piggyback on that one and two. <laughs> Here, here's Everyone another thought thing. it was back row. It wasn't. It was a front row. It was a front row I, too. That Got 2004 Brazilian team. Bro was pretty special yeah from the center um, they, all the way they, from every position oh yeah mm-hmm. they changed to me that team changed the game of volleyball because it went from a um controlled slower to to now it's about speed power finesse I mean, running an offense the way they did, the way Ricardo the whole house offense, came to the center, right? The balls it was passed. ridiculous. Yeah, like the balls pass and the, and the entire court, <laughs> like everyone everybody's on the court moving is. forward. As soon as the balls pass, all of their players are moving forward. So as a middle, you, yeah. you're you're like, oh my god, like what am I supposed to do? I have five guys coming at me right now, and by the way, they're all hitting the ball at a quick speed. <laughs> So it's not like I can, you know what I mean? It was really tough. They, they were, they were, they were it was pretty special, that that quad. Oh my goodness. Yeah, they uh the setter I thought was the one, the one guy to put it together. Lefty. I don't know if he was ambidextrous, yeah. but I know he hit Ricard Ricardinho. Yeah, Ricardinho. Man, yeah. I mean they're all first he, names. Yeah, oof. it doesn't matter what their last name is. So <laughs> the cool thing, I remember what I don't know if it was Kevin Barnett or Paul Sunderland saying great systems beat great players. And when I thought great systems, I'm like, just when I think of system, Ryan, I think of um, a collective team where it takes yeah. everybody to win. Right. Like, um, and man, I'm, I'm not going to talk about me. I'm just going to skip me because I coached some teams like that high school championship team team I coached. They were all smart kids. Um, not the best athletes, but they all played together. And they lived in the video yeah. room with me, which is rare. Mm. Most co- you know, most coaches, I'm like, get out of here. Go, you know, go home, go study. You're at Hunter right. High School, man. Go study. <laughs> you lead the nation in, in, in Ivy League application acceptance and, and cumulative <laughs> SAT scores. Go study. <laughs> so um, 2008, I'm going to skip a bunch of um, matches and I want to highlight certain players and you tell me if you you stop in fact stop me shut me up at any point stop me in the middle of this serbia montenegro quarterfinals i really thought my stand-up player was riley salmon six foot one but the best passer on the court and you you don't win without him russia um staved off a couple of uh point uh you know so there were some two-point games and you guys came out on top but i bring your attention to game five Mm -hmm. down by Two points. David Lee gets a kill. Mm-hmm. One ball. The Lloyd had to move with him. He moved with Lloyd. I don't know. If it was just like a thirty-one that went wrong and just like fine one. Then you know, out of blocking zone three, and right. then David Lee gets a block, ties the game. 
Their center chucks a ball. Didn't even like back set. He kind of. It was a chuck. Tell me that wasn't it, a chuck. Oh, it was a chuck. Was even a chuck. Paul Sunderland said it's a they're chuck. They're not going to call it. The refs, the refs not going to call it at no, that point. In not the at game. thirteen on set five. It. No, it would have to. It would have but to it was fall through his hands and hit his yeah. face, oh, which I thought it hit a piece of his face. But then, you guys could have lost because of the non-call. One play later, David Lee kill. Next play, I don't know if David Lee was back or still whatever, but you guys blocked their 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 um their rock star Oppo, and that was the yeah. match. So I thought David Lee was um the player of that game. So take over because I don't want to talk more than you. The finals, you beat Brazil in four. They actually even changed their lineup. They even had Dante pit Oppo so to yep. get Morillo and Giba in because G- Morillo was right. a better goal ball hitter than than Dante and Dante, but Dante was a better you know, back row hitter off the bick and this and that. But yeah. who was your who was your player? Who was who was your guy that 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 pulled you through? I, I and it's really hard to answer that because you guys were a true team. Yeah. If any one of you guys were missing on that team, you lose in that game. Yeah. You know. That yeah, that's a tough one because you know I've watched that match a number of times. You can probably imagine it. There's not really one person that stood out in that match. We all just were solid. I mean, to me, if that's the case. Then, then Loy is the guy because, you know, so goes everybody. So goes, I mean, kind of Loy kind of runs the show, right? As the setter. And so I would probably highlight his ability to just run that offense to perfection. But I mean, if you look at offensively, we were good. Defensively, we were good. I mean, Rich, Rich dug some amazing balls. Reed run, ran down some balls into the barrier. I mean, there were a couple of plays where Riley was digging balls. Clay putting up huge blocks on the right side. It's just, you know what? We we matched up against Brazil really well that whole that whole four years. We we had a really good record against Brazil um, compared to other teams that never really could figure them out. And I I always thought that going into that match that Brazil would have rather have played Russia, mm-hmm. even though Russia might have been bigger and stronger and whatever because they knew that they didn't match up very well against us. Right. And, um, you know, they go out, they win that first set I mean, because we're a little jittery. Look, your but... last five matches, I think you won four out of five, including the World League. You won World League, World League, um, World League semifinals a week, in Brazil. Uh, like a week before the Olympics, we beat them 3-0. right? 3-0. Yeah, it was 3-0. And, you, and that yeah. was what? Like eight days before the Olympics? Maybe even yeah. less? <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. right then. Yeah. And that was in Brazil. Mm-hmm. They were at full strength. And, I mean, and we beat them 3-0. And yeah. so I... I'd be interested to talk to some of those guys about the psyche going into that match. I mean, obviously they were confident. They were defending Olympic champions. None of our guys had ever played in the Olympic finals. So we were all young and new. Um, the majority of their team had already won a gold medal. And so, um, you know, they were probably confident, but I just think from a matchup perspective, and you saw, you talked about that four set, they, they ran their, they, they mixed up their lineup because they just weren't getting it done. I mean, we were just shutting them down wherever they were trying to put pressure on us We'd never break, and uh, and we yeah. end up pulling it out. Like, and if you look at Clay Stanley's kill percentage, he's probably he's probably hitting like one fifty. But I thought the timeliness of, yeah. of very important kills is what made him stand out to most of the crowd. Now, and, and I was very happy for him because he always struck me as a player, and I'm pretty good at reading people. Where sometimes you get blocked a lot, right? You know, you you go you you're you're a rock star in college, and then you come on the world scene, and then you got these guys who are like six inches up shorter than you. Maybe just it's it's good. Listen, it's just sometimes it's just superior coaching. 
And sometimes <laughs> it's the professional leagues that are available, you know, and, and all right. of those things come into play. But the net result is this man psychologically had to accept the fact that I'm going to get blocked a lot, but I'm also going to get a lot of kills. I am an opposite. That is my, that is the life of a gangster. <laughs> okay. Yep. That is the life of a G. And I give him a lot of credit because you, if people are, if, if, and the highest level teams, do we both agree that the best offensive player is the opposite? Generally, yeah. Generally accepted. They're, I mean, they're, they're typically yeah. your outlet. Unless you got yeah. Brazil or like everybody's good, you know, but, um, right. So a lot of pressure on him, and yeah, yeah. I and I thought he responded magnificently. I give him credit, and I give him Loy Ball credit for just saying, "Hey, let me let me make one more go at this." And I'm, aren't yeah. we so glad that he, you know, the Olympics and all the ups and downs more so than any player on that team, he would left with a go. Happy for him, Reed Pretty, you know, a a, a player that. His, tes- his testicular fortitude is should be the measuring stick in which other players are compared. All three of them played in Russia professionally. There's definitely a correlation there because to me, my stylistic nightmare wasn't Brazil because we already showed we could beat Brazil. It was Russia. I was more, when we beat Russia, I said, I I already said, look, we went in the go and they're like, oh, don't get cocky. Just, and I'm like, no, 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 no. That team where styles make matchups, big, ugly, mean mugging. I call them white Dominicans too. Shit talking guys too, man. In New York, we call them white Dominicans because we have a Russian Mm. population in Brighton Beach that are great endurance and and beach players. (laughs) And... Yeah, so stylistically, you I, I agree with you. I thought you you know you had a better chance of beating Brazil <laughs> than beating Russia. Yeah, I think anybody would say that. You know what's interesting about that Russia match? First of all, I tell people you want to watch a good volleyball, go watch that semifinal match. It's a fantastic volleyball match. It's, just just really well played by both teams. It's like watching a movie. And yeah, <laughs> totally. You know what's funny is that if you go watch the first two sets, we go up 2-0. And to be honest with you, we go up 2-0 specifically because of clay serve there was a he had a couple runs where where russia had zero idea what they could do and how to serve it he was serving it too hard with with too much range and they they, he was just hitting the ball over the court i think he ended up with like nine aces that match or something (laughs) like that and and most of them if not all of them were in those first two sets yeah there was and one he even so, took speed off and it dropped in front of the D, right? He, he, had, totally. he had like a little drop or two. Yeah. And then he had like his wicked, that wrist away, like the position five one. Yeah. You know, which is like if, and, and on the the libero, whoever's left shoulder, like that yeah. served to space. If you're not there, if you don't step in and or maybe you're even done. try to midline that as much as you can, you're yeah. screwed. So totally Clay, got you. Clay serving the ball mm-hmm. was unlike anything I'd ever seen. Me too. Even to this day, I've never seen anybody serve the ball harder than he did. No. Uh, he, we, we used to do the gun in practice, and he'd be in the mid-70s easy mm-hmm. and then get up into the low 80s. <sighs> now, people surf? don't realize how quick that is. Woo! That That is you, – you won't see that. No. That's how fast that and is. You won't see that again, period. No. No, no and I, I, I think that – playing in Russia had a lot to do with it. When you have international experience, and like you said, you accept things psychologically because you never, you rarely see European players suffer from paralysis through analysis, right? right? Where they're thinking about something too much where they can't do anything. For those of you listening at home, that's what paralysis through analysis is. And the three of them play, you know, the outside, the oppo and the setter, and I don't know who else played. I, I, you could probably tell me, but um, I thought them playing 
in that league really helped them um, win Russia, win against Russia. Because if you remember yeah. 2004, you guys played for the bronze, and I think you lost 3-0. Yeah, we yeah. weren't. We they were better than we were. We weren't ready at that time to to beat that team. Um, right. You know, it's funny because Rich Rich played in Russia, mm-hmm. Riley played in Russia, I played in Russia, and Dave. We all played in Russia. Oh, good. Eventually, eventually yeah. throughout our professional careers. Mm-hmm. Every yeah. American player that plays on a national team or that, that wants to win a goal or win, I think they should, well, I don't know about the league now. I mean, right now, the Italian league, it's, the it's Italian league really now good. is what the Russian league was back then. And, and, the, the Russian league is still really good. Okay, good. Yeah. Good to know. In the 90s, it was the Italian league. That's where yeah. you can make some money. I think, Absolutely. I think Jeff Stork was clocking in like 200G a year plus, plus incentives, yeah. plus bonuses, you know? Yeah. Um, I was in Barcelona in '92. I was playing in Germany, and mm. and I but I went and watched matches. I watched USA play Japan with that. Biz- we want to talk about bizarre oh, really? matches? Yeah, the the, the, the double Bob yellow Sanderson card. Match, yeah, the right? double yellow card that was never yeah. Turned I into remember red. that. And then yeah. they came back and won the fourth set. And in the fifth set, someone blew the whistle in, in the crowd. Right. And they stopped it. And Stavrtli's losing his mind. They never blew the whistle. Steve Timmons on match point hits a D zone. They said he stepped on the line. The replay show is behind it. There was just oh, so, so much going on in that match. Only in the end for the committee to give the the, the victory to Japan. And then, to Japan, yeah. Right. And then a day later, of course, right? Everyone shaves their head, right? Yep. I remember God. that well. Yeah, grown, I mean, I I watched my TV because I was in the, the army at that time, and I went back to Germany. I'm like, cool. Jeff Stork got a haircut. Oh, cool. Wow. Bob got one too, huh? Hey, Pepperdine guy getting haircuts. <laughs> and then this the, the shot, you know, the the volleyball shot. The whole damn team's bald, yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah, <laughs> I um Aaron Wexler has a question. Aaron Wexler says, ask, Aaron. ask Ryan. Yeah, you were on his podcast recently. Yeah, man. Aaron Aaron's a cool dude. says, ask Ryan how much his volleyball success has transcended into his business success. Aaron, you are so lucky I'm asking him this question. You had him on your podcast. You asked him the same question five different ways, but I got you <laughs> back. I got you back. I'm not going to ask you about your inspired lifestyle. Um, that's the question. How much is volleyball? success transcended into your business success you know i i think i probably said this on a show if i wouldn't have won a gold medal i wouldn't be where i am today in business it's just look it's just the nature of of us being americans i'm just being yep. honest here yep americans like winners if i would if we would have lost the gold medal match and we would have got silver i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing right now because I have the ultimate icebreaker when I walk into an executive team and I'm working with organizations and we're doing consulting work with them. They all appreciate and acknowledge greatness. And a gold medal, there's there's very few symbols that that represent greatness than a gold medal. And and and, and nobody will will dispute that. No. And so I've got the I've got the ultimate clout when I go in and work with the I don't I don't have an MBA. I don't, I don't have a business degree. I don't have a, a background in consulting. Um, but what I do have is a measure of success that all business leaders are all trying to achieve. Excellence. Everybody's trying to achieve excellence. Yep. There's no business leader out there that isn't. Yeah. And when, when they have someone in front of them that has achieved a level of excellence, they want to hear from that person. Mm-hmm. And if we, think... were to, if we were to be silver medalists, I wouldn't have that luxury. No, come on. I'm, I want to I wanna hire that runner up. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that? That guy that was second best. <laughs> oh, it's just geez. the way it is, man. Yeah, it's listen. This is the cold world. It's a cold world, and this is ice, my man. So yep. the thing I like about 
And we're going to talk a little bit about your business at the end of this, um, because you're in charge of when you get the hell out. I know you got something to do after this. And again, it is my duty as a podcaster, as a volleyball podcaster, which this podcast, right, um, 61 episodes is so much more. It's not just a volleyball podcast anymore, but it's my duty as a volleyball podcaster. It is my honor as a volleyball player and my privilege as a coach to, to have you on and talk about these things. So the thing I like about you is you acknowledge that opportunity meets preparation. Like I said in the beginning, right? Someone gave you a shot. Maybe someone thought, oh, he doesn't have a business degree in this and that. But then, I don't know, a year in or whatever, the question is, is he getting the job done or is he not? I am, Ryan, I am a do or do not person at the end of the day. You know, excuses are nice, and that, that includes the good ones too, okay? But um, no, so how much is, does your approach revolve around absolutes, like I just described? You do yeah. or you do not? Are you, are you cold like that? <laughs> no, I, I'm just trying to think of how to phrase this because... Did you understand the question? Look, yeah, absolutely. Right, cool. Mm-hmm. I, I think anybody that gets to a certain level of a profession, whether you're it's a sport or a business or, you know, you're running a nonprofit, I don't even care, whatever it is. Th- there's a couple of key ingredients to that recipe, right? One is an extreme amount of confidence. Mm-hmm. So, like, I knew what I could do on the volleyball court and I knew I could do it day in and day out. And that was my job. Like, my job was to go in and perform. But what's 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 really cool about being a professional athlete is that you're constantly being pushed. If you weren't constantly being pushed, I don't. I think it'd be really hard for people to 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 sustain a level of excellence. But the, but the reason when you're a professional athlete, there's always somebody that wants to take your spot, and and if you're not willing to execute, someone else is. Yeah. And they're they're hungry. For I was gonna. It. Yep. Someone hungry. <laughs> Ooh, they're hungry. And you know what? They might be younger. They might have more talent. They might have more spring in their step. Yeah. So what are you going to do? How are you going to figure it out? How are you going to solve the Rubik's Cube? Yep. Well, maybe you add a couple things to your game. Maybe you work on your reading. Maybe you work on your serving. Maybe you work on being a better def- a middle defender, even though you're only in there for a rotation. But, hey, if I can dig a ball or two, that's that's game. Yeah. You know, that one point might change the whole complex, the complexion of the game. So, you know, for me, too, another great example of what I'm trying to say here is, so on the national team, you'd have the you'd have the receivers coming in early before practice to to take spinners so that they can practice their their passing. Right. Right. Yep. So I knew that was happening, and I'm a middle, so I don't have any responsibility to come pass balls. But you know what I do have responsibility to do is set balls. Yep. Because I knew that if, if there was a time during a transition play when Loy was out and it was in front of the ten foot line and I needed to step in and set the ball. I better be damn prepared to be able to make that set. Yeah, we don't need middles so, hiding. <laughs> exactly right. And so what I would do is I'd come in early with the passers. And I would just I would just set balls off of their passes for, for 30, 45 minutes before practice. Just to practice and to make sure that I was prepared to make the play when it needed to be made. And if you look at gold medal point, the rally continues. Lloyd passes that overpass after yeah. I hit it. And I'm the one that steps in and I got to set clay. Yeah, you got clay. I'm not ready to do that. Yeah. That, well, that That's was clay's, um, clay had two attempts on transition, right? One was yeah. transition and I think it was an overpass. 
And then I think so he, said Loy he had the original serve receive yeah. set from Loy. Yep. They dug that. Then I actually went up and I tried to hit the overpass. They soft blocked it back to Loy. And right. that's when I set it back nice. to Loy. Uh, nice. You, you got the metal point winning assist? I know. Get out. <laughs> Shut the front door. <laughs> Believe me, I would have liked to have rather have put that overpass down. Believe me. But yeah. whatever. It still worked. Before we talk about your current business, I have a question that I've asked every high-level high volleyball player. I had Dane on the show a few episodes ago. You, you know Dane, one of the coolest human yeah. beings in the world. Um, was there a particular tournament or a match when you're coming, let's say you're a club player, or a high school player or whatever, as you're coming up, was there a particular tournament or a match that you left telling yourself or a defining moment that you told yourself, wait, I, this whole volleyball thing, I, I think I could do this on a real. I think this yeah. is what I want to do when I grow up. Was there a particular tournament that you left where, I don't know, maybe just the crowd was like, everyone's just giving you high fives at the end outside. Hey, great match and this and that. That was unbelievable, this and that. I, I have so many of them as an actor and def, I definitely have, I think every volleyball player has a bunch. What To your memory, was there a particular defining moment? Because to Dan and some other people, there weren't. There, there were a compilation of them. Yeah. Was there a particular match or tournament to your memory where you where you left saying, this is who I am and this is what I want to do? You know what? I don't know if there was a particular time um, match, but there was a in my mind, there was a particular time. Mm. So like, for, for instance, so my sophomore year at BYU, uh, you know, I, I was the freshman of the year, my freshman year, my sophomore year, we're coming in, we're still really young, but I'm you know, I've gotten a lot better. Um, and uh we we used to play in the Santa Barbara tournament. There was there was a preseason tournament in Santa Barbara where everyone would come play. It was it was an awesome tournament. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. For- it was a great preseason tournament. And we went in that year and we won. And I and I was MVP. And um and then we play out that year and I actually end up becoming MPSF player of the year. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, man, like I've made a lot of strides here. This is actually something because I was starting to get communications from USA volleyball. That was the, that summer was my first year playing. I went on a tour with USAV in, in Hawaii against China. It was the first time I'd been with a national team. And I was thinking to myself, man, this is this might be something <laughs> at that point. So it was around that time frame. And I was probably 19 years old yeah. that, that I knew, hey, I could probably I'm going to go on and play at that next level. Not really knowing what it was at that time, but knowing that that was a gold mine at that time. Just wide-eyed as heck, right? <laughs> this, totally. this big kid. Every time yeah. you see a volleyball, eyes get all big. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm glad I asked you that question. I, I mean, yeah. I don't. I usually don't like asking the same people the same question because it shows I don't. Know. That's a, to me. That's lazy podcasting. But I mean, come on. I mean, when it comes to winners. You know, and and Dane told a great story against Portugal. I'll tell you about, I don't know, maybe on our own or whatever. Dane already, I mean, you could click on the podcast or whatever, but I'd love to talk to you about that story and about the seriousness, competitiveness, where he got a red card and, you know, it was crazy. Um, So what what are, um, what have you been up to lately? You, I I tried to do a little Google search on and you have this kind of... um, uh, business model going on. Tell, tell, tell my, um, tell my followers, tell my audience. Yeah. So, um, I work for a a global consulting, consulting firm called partners in leadership. We, Mm -hmm. um, we, in essence, what we do is we help organizations create more, um, efficient cultures. So organizational cultures, we come in and help them strengthen their organizational culture. Mm -hmm. And we do that by instilling a culture of accountability. 
which, which we would say is the most effective culture an organization can create. And so we, we've got processes and systems and tools that we go and we partner with organizations, large and small around the world and help them manage their culture. It, it's, it's really cool, rewarding work. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm able to link a lot of what I learned being an athlete, playing volleyball, competing at the highest levels and translating that into business success. Cause that's what all these companies are looking for. They're looking for better performance. And, um, and it's very easy. It's very synergetic. Uh, uh, it's a lot of what I experienced on the volleyball court and what I'm, what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to work with these teams and, and these organizations. It's pretty cool. And then also, I, like I mentioned before, I, I host a volleyball podcast myself because I'm a, I'm a volley nerd as, as well. I mean, I love the sports. Cross net, everything right? that yeah. I have. And cross, I partnered with the, with the team from mm-hmm. CrossNet. So mm-hmm. hopefully everybody's heard of CrossNet. They're blowing up because they're doing great things. Uh, they just got into Walmart, which was a big deal for them, which is really cool. Um, and uh, they, they said, hey, would you be interested in doing a podcast? And I said, yeah. And uh, they said, that's cool. Try to get on cool people, spread the word, try to grow the community. It's what it's all about, right? Just producing good content. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I try to do. And yeah. it's fun. I'll tell you what, I'll, I look forward to going on when I get more stripes out here. <laughs> you know, I left New York with more stripes in a Yankee uniform. Um, by the way, you are the first one, my first episode, that um, I'm not wearing the Yankee hat. The, the Yankee, really? The you Yankee hat has become like right the, the headphones and the Yankee hat has become like my, my icon, like the trademark thing. Yeah. So, um, what, why did you switch it up? Well, I was in the middle of divorcing the Knicks. Ah, and choosing okay. a new team so my hat yeah. comes in and they're like brooklyn nets i'm like all right Durant, that's Durant. that's a good team to divorce the knicks for <laughs> i mean dude i couldn't even go there was a steakhouse next to madison square garden yeah uh, and i didn't i didn't want to go to the steakhouse anymore because i thought the knicks might contaminate the meat i just uh, I, I mean <laughs> Stephen a said the same thing there was a white castle he thought the knicks might contaminate oh, the meat man. so so i just i stopped you know i mean as long as Dolan's there, it's just, it's just an embarrassment. As long as Dolan's there, they're never going to win. They're never. It'll be win. really interesting to see what the Nets can do next year with with KD health, hopefully healthy, and, yeah. and Kyrie, and see if they can make some moves in the in the during the trade deadline. Yeah. And you know who knows? It, well, it'll be interesting. Well, that's why I was born and raised anyway. I'm a, I'm a yeah. flat I'm a Flatbush cool. kid. I was born and raised in New York, Flatbush, and then moved Very to the cool. city. But so the roots never leave you, you know. Um, yeah. Before we go, is there a particular website? Uh, for CrossNet or even your business you'd like to plug in before we go because there's a video the video version of this is going to be you know we're trending on Facebook right now I average about 10,000 views an episode on Facebook which and YouTube is like 15 but I'm not giving them my money yet until until I'm ready (laughs) until I'm good and ready and the audio of course is taking off but yeah is any any um so go ahead yeah absolutely have people go to crossnetgame.com they'll they can link to the podcast there um, you know, the podcast is on every, every podcast app that everybody uses, of course. Um, and then, you know, follow me on Instagram. I do a lot of, I post a lot about the podcast on there and then some of my volleyball ventures as well. Uh, my, my handle on Instagram is Ryan Millar nine because nine was my number on the national team. So there it is, uh, there and Facebook and, and everywhere LinkedIn as well. I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn just from that's a little bit more of the business side, which is what it's supposed to be for, but, yeah. uh, people can look for me on there as well. So. Cool, man. Yeah, I, I figured we'd get out of here because I know you got something um, coming on after this and 
it's unprofessional of me from for you to make like to dive in one ocean and out the other or whatever i'm going to give you some time <laughs> to you know set up for that um yeah. stay on after the episode i just want to say one thing before whatever but um brian millar for everybody else listening ryan millar might love you but i can't stand you in fact i had enough of all of you okay so for all of you at home for all of you in your ipad at starbucks for all of you on your iphone or droid for all of you on your desktop who runs the world old school old school for ryan millar this is episode 62 i am jason debeus and we both say we're out Peace. come check out the option podcast on optiondb.com it's also available on itunes and spotify and on youtube under the ny varsity sports handle you're gonna love what you hear